football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, welcome in one and all. It is the latest edition of the only national digital show devoted to underdogs. In this case, college hoop underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. I'm your host, TJ Reeves, and let's bring in our uh, our analyst, our senior handicapper and writer from VegasInsider.com. Good to be back with a man that believed in those Tennessee Volunteers last week on Three Dog Thursday. Kevin Rogers knew something about Tennessee and Kentucky and gave you that on last week's show, and we're anxious to see what else he has. How you feeling, champ? Doing well. I thought it was a trap spot for Kentucky after they blew out South Carolina. And, you know, obviously Kentucky still won the game by double digits. But then again, the name of our game is for them to cover. And they didn't cover against Tennessee, so that's all that really matters. So Kentucky's a better team. They won, but all that matters is that Tennessee covered, so we take that to the we're trying to We're trying to pick some spots where that would happen. Why didn't you warn me off last week that after the emotional Duke-Carolina game that Carolina would be hosting Miami on Saturday afternoon? And you're down in South Florida where Miami is, and you've, you've worked a couple of Canes games this year on the radio. Good Lord, did they freight train the Miami Hurricanes Saturday. They were angry after that Duke loss, and, and, and my underdog just got in the way, Kevin, on Saturday. Yeah, they, uh, they didn't play very well. They were obviously you know, outplayed heavily by uh, a good North Carolina team who, I mean, I don't know if you want to say they were motivated after falling to Duke after blowing the eight-point lead uh, last Wednesday night, but you know, then again, Roy Williams had all his timeouts to work with on Saturday, so he had a good game plan. And, um, and yeah, I mean, Miami, that was really the first real stinker they've had this year. They also had a bad loss at NC State a few weeks ago, but, uh, you know, that was a really embarrassing loss on national TV on CBS. And they came back to beat Virginia yes, they on did. Monday, but... But it just it, it was one of those where, you know, they, they caught Carolina, where Carolina was really prepared. And, and Carolina's a good team. I mean, Carolina's a good team. They're, they're, they're a top echelon team in college basketball. So it just turned out that Carolina played very well. Miami didn't. And uh, Carolina ended up covering. Okay, so uh, I did I did hit one of the underdogs. The objective here is to hit all three of them, hence the contest and Three Dog Thursday. I did have Purdue with the late rally. They were getting beaten badly by Indiana for a lot of that game at Assembly Hall, but they roared back in the final seven, eight minutes of the game and actually only ended up uh, losing it by four. So the old, the old late cover from the Boilermakers, Boiler Up, with A.J. Hammonds and company, what's a very competitive uh, Big Ten. So anyway, that sets the stage for what we're about to do. We're looking at college basketball underdogs, and our charge in this case will be to give you some for later on on Thursday night if you're listening to the program on Thursday. But also we're going to delve into Saturday. If you're listening to the program a little later on in the weekend, Kevin and I will each have a Saturday underdog. I want you to begin first and uh, tell me what you like off of the Thursday slate here coming up. What do you like? couple of uh, late Pac-12 games, TJ. First, with the Arizona State Sun Devils and Bobby Hurley's team, who's in a bit of a transition year. There was some excitement at the beginning of the year, and unfortunately it hasn't really come to fruition in Pac-12 play 
Arizona State travels to Utah tonight to take on the Utes, who started off Pac-12 play uh, a little subpar, but they've really turned the corner, and this is the team that you know we saw last year that made some moves in the NCAA tournament. They lost uh, Delon Wright, who went to the NBA, but they still have a lot of really good pieces, and Utah's really hitting their stride right now. They came off a sweep of the L.A. teams this past weekend on the road. Utah is a double-digit favorite tonight, laying about 10.5 to Arizona State. Now, Arizona State's coming off a bad loss to their rival Arizona. Second time they've lost to them this year. But they've had a little bit of time since that game to try to regroup. Arizona State is 0-6 in the Pac-12 on the road as an underdog. Their only win came as a favorite at Washington State, who everyone has beaten in the Pac-12. But for Arizona State, Taking away that loss to Arizona uh, this past time around, the other five losses, they've been extremely competitive in those games. Losses to USC, UCLA, uh, also losing at Washington in overtime. That they, They've had some very tough losses in the conference on the road and just not been able to get over the hump. When I look at Utah, a bit of a look-ahead spot here. Saturday they face Arizona, who's coming off a tough loss to Colorado on Wednesday night, so that's a very big game. Those two teams behind Oregon in the Pac-12 at the top of that Pac-12 race. So it could be a little bit of a look-ahead factor here for Utah that uh, they've been playing very well, and now they're laying a lot of points against the Arizona State team that many of think have packed it in, but I don't think that's the case with Bobby Hurley's team. It's just about trying to get over the hump, and obviously coming off a 30-plus point loss to Arizona, there should be a lot of focus tonight with this team, and I think it's a good spot to take the Sun Devils. Okay, interesting on that matchup, and so you will take Arizona State and take the 10.5 points in that game. Uh, I want to hit you with what is a big topic right now uh, from what happened on Wednesday night in the Pac-12 with Arizona and Colorado. Colorado winning the game in upset fashion. Arizona still trying to challenge Oregon out of that Pac-12 conference, and the fans ran on the floor, and it was an ugly scene for the Arizona players trying to get off the floor whether they're going to shake hands or not. Sean Miller, who at times can fly off the handle, a hot-headed coach on and off the court, basically, I mean, said on the record that this is going to end up with an Arizona player punching a fan with this stuff happening. He verbalized that, Kevin, and said that on Wednesday night. Conversely, you had a, you had Xavier in Cincinnati playing Villanova, the number one team in the country, uh, pulling arguably the biggest regular season upset in the history of the program in Cincinnati for Xavier. Their PA announcer, uh, everybody associated with, with Xavier was admonishing the fans, do not run on the court, and they didn't do it. When they beat the number one team in the country, they did not run on the floor. And I applaud that because I'm to the point that we don't need to see this anymore, and I've been part of a couple of court storms, and they are scary things, courtside as a broadcaster or an observer, where do you come down on this? Because we saw it in the Pac-12, which you were just talking about when Colorado pulled the upset Wednesday night. Where do you come down on the whole court storming thing? Well, breaking it down from a couple different angles. Number one, I mean, yes, you mentioned Xavier upsetting Villanova, but Xavier is still the fifth-ranked team in the country. So, you know, beating Villanova, you know, it's not like they were a huge underdog where it was that massive of an upset. Yeah, but I mean, they're they're number one. And if you're ever going to run on the court at Xavier, wouldn't it be that game? Fair? Wouldn't it be that game? Yeah, you know what, though? But I guess I look at it like this. Uh, Okay, let me get a quick story. When I was at Florida State years ago, okay, the basketball team wasn't very good. They beat Duke in 2002, the Jason Williams, Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer team. That was like, at the time, 15 or 16-0. 
and FSU had lost to American and Western Carolina at home, and they beat uh, Duke at the end. Duke missed a putback at the buzzer. You could feel the excitement of running on the court. I don't agree with if you win a game by 15 points, you run on the court. There's no reason to do that. There's just there is no reason. So I guess I understand why it didn't happen at Xavier. You know, when you win a game convincingly, there's no reason to run on the court. Like, what's there to celebrate? I feel like in the moment, if you have a buzzer beater or the other team misses the, the go-ahead shot, then you do it. And now you look at the situation with Colorado. Yes, Colorado is more of a, is, is a wilder school than Xavier is. Xavier is a private school, and, and that doesn't mean kids don't party there. But at Colorado, yes, it's a bit of a wild school there, and they're unranked, and they really have nothing to play for, at, or probably not going to make the tournament. I mean, it's questionable at this point. They're a, they're a bubble team. I mean, if they make it, all right. But for Sean Miller to come out and say one of our guys is going to punch someone else, you know <laughs> what, man? That's on that's on you. Yeah. You got to tell your players to control themselves. Okay, you're in a situation. Obviously, Arizona had a chance to tie the game late. It's not like they were blown out. But you've got to tell your guys at least prepare them. All right, they may storm the court. You need to control. We need to go to the locker room as soon as this game is over. You know, assuming that you're down by a few points and you're not going to tie the game. You need to do that and not say, well, my guys just reacted. You're the coach. You have to control them. You have to at least plan it in their minds that, hey, be careful here. We're not used to this in Arizona. They don't charge the court in Arizona because they're a successful program, which is fine. But you have to understand, you're going on the road in some of these other places that they're not as good as you. This is the biggest right. win of the year. And it's, and it's happened before with Arizona over the last two or three years, losing particularly Pac-12 games. Uh, they, they lost a Pac-12 game at Cal a couple of years ago when they were undefeated, like what you were describing with Duke many years ago. And they ran on the floor, and it irked him then, too. Uh, in and around it, and some coaches are bothered. I thought it was also interesting, while we just totally talk Pac-12 here on Three Dog Thursday, uh, TJ Reeves, I've got Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com, helping me pick underdogs, which we'll get back to in a moment. When Oregon State won the game at the buzzer, Kevin, on Wednesday night against Washington, last second shot, it was a modified court storm in Corvallis because the students and the people that were courtside ran to the mob of players that were mobbing uh, the, the winning shot, uh, the, the players came over and mobbed the, the kid that hit the winning shot, and then about, I, I'd say, 50 to 100 fans came on the floor to mob the mob, and then they cleared the court because there was still a couple of tenths of a second left on the clock. They had to go review it, so you had a modified court storm, but that's more to your point. That was a last-second shot, and everybody's kind of caught up in the moment to go run and join the celebration over on the corner of the floor. I'm not a huge fan of it personally, but over the years, I think somebody made this point to me, which was a, a valid one, I guess, that if you've gone to college, and again, I'm not, and, and see where I'm going with this, that if you've gone to college in a college sporting event, and if you're 18 or 19 years old, you don't care about tradition. That doesn't, that doesn't apply to you. You don't care about that. You just want to get in the middle of it and be in the fun. And when people brought that up to me, I'm like, well, that's kind of an interesting point because you and I and other people that are listening, you have more perspective because you're a little bit older and you're like, well, why would you do that? Like this, this is tradition and blah, blah, blah. But you're 19 years old. What the hell do you care about, you know, that? You just want to be in the middle of the party. You want to be in the middle of this whole thing. And in today's world with cell phones, we can take pictures of it and, and do all that and video. Hey, look at this. I was here. That's why these kids are doing it. Like, they're not doing it to embarrass Arizona. Like, that's where Sean Miller's got to understand that, and again, I'm picking on him specifically. 
this is where he's got to understand that these are 18, 19, 20-year-old college kids that are just there to have a good time. They're like, oh, we ended up beating this team. Right. It's not about FU Arizona. It's just about, hey, we're here to have fun. And that's what he's got to understand. And one more point on this, and then I promise we're moving on to your second underdog on Three Dog Thursday. Kentucky is no longer willing to go play Indiana at Bloomington at Famous Assembly Hall. We were talking about Indiana earlier uh, in the show because of what happened back, what was it now, four seasons ago, uh, I believe, when Indiana hit the last second shot in Bloomington, very famous moment that year, and, and the entire Assembly Hall, I think, ran onto the floor before Kentucky could ever get their players off the court in that moment. And John Calipari has basically said this, they're, they're not playing Bloomington any, uh, in Bloomington anymore. They would play uh, Indiana on a neutral floor, play them in Indianapolis, play them in a dome, play them in a bigger setting with more security, but they're not coming back to play them at Bloomington while he's the coach. So that has ended for now the Kentucky-Indiana rivalry because Indiana's sticking to their guns that they want the game to be on campus for both programs. And again, it's traced right back to court storming. So... There's our there's our four cents. We did well, even more two cents, I think. Final, yeah, go ahead. My yeah. final thought on this, DJ, yeah. before we get to the next game, my final thought, I know we'll move on, that I guess the way I look at it, again, you get to a buzzer beater, you're kind of stuck. I understand. But if you're going to lose the game by, by a couple possessions, you need to have some kind of exit strategy where you know you can get your guys out safely because you know what? This is not going to end. You can't control all these people running on the court. You can't do it. There is no way, unless you had the threat of, oh, you're under arrest if you, you can't. It, it just gets out of control. So yeah. you need to have some kind of exit strategy. We could go on and on in that, and I agree with on the exit strategy. And yeah. so I just I thought it was fascinating, though, that when Xavier won the game, they were admonishing their fans over and over again on the PA, do not run on the floor. We do not want you on the floor. And they behave. They did it. I said, good for them. A huge win for them. And Xavier may end up being a number one seed themselves, as you were talking about, too. Okay, so first underdog is Arizona State in the Pac-12 for Thursday night. Kevin Rogers, real quick. Where are you going for underdog number two? All right, I will make this quick. It is the Stanford Cardinal tonight, plus one and a half against the USC Trojans. Stanford's picked up some nice home underdog wins this year. They beat Cal. They beat Oregon so far. They beat Utah. So Johnny Dawkins' team in this role, they've actually played very well. And for USC, they have not been good of late. That They've uh, lost four in a row on the road inside the Pac-12, and they're just trending backwards at the wrong time right now. So I'm going to take Stanford as a short dog. Well, and again, a very competitive Pac-12 right now, kind of up for grabs with Oregon and Arizona at the top of it. And you wonder, I mean, Arizona, I mean, uh, USC, for example, was looking like an NCAA tournament team. And now, as you mentioned, they've begun to struggle. Uh, we'll see what happens in that matchup with Stanford. So Kevin going with a couple of Pac-12 Thursday night games. We need to pause on Three Dog Thursday. We'll come back. I'll give you a couple of Thursday night games. Kevin can belittle me when I go to pick those uh, for underdog purposes. And then he and I will both go with a Saturday college basketball underdog. Stay with us. Ever dreamed of a way to video chat one-on-one with famous former athletes, coaches, and other big names in the sports world? Well, now you can with a brand new online communication service called Talk to Legends. The Talk to Legends mobile platform is available right now for free in the iOS Apple Store. And it puts you just a couple of clicks away from connecting by video to your sports heroes in a five-minute person-to-person conversation on your iPhone or iPad. Yes, it's as easy as registering and then picking a time to talk to to your legend. There are hundreds of former athletes from all sports, including the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, college sports, the Olympics, MMA, and more. 
and they're ready to talk to you in a scheduled video conversation through Talk to Legends. Talk to Legends is coming soon to Android devices too. But for now, go to the iOS Apple Store and download the app for free. Then check out the schedule and start communicating via video chat with your favorite legends. It's time for you to talk to legends. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reed. Seconds left. They look to throw in to Plumley. Hands it back around to Allen. They double him up outside. He's going to take it down the lane in the air. Shoves it up. Got it at the buzzer. Got it at the buzzer. The Blue Devils win it. 63 62. And the team is mobbing, mobbing Grayson Allen. Wow. Yeah, that was the uh, the craziness uh, of the Cameron Crazies and the Duke Blue Devils when they're playing at home. That's from the Duke IMG radio call. Welcome back in. It is Three Dog Thursday. You know, Kevin was mentioning Florida State and Duke. I never heard you admit to this. Were you part of the court storm in 2002 when they won the game? Did you run on the floor or did you restrain nope. yourself in that answer? You did not run on the nope. floor. I did not run on the floor. Uh, I was actually in the stands with my roommate watching the game, and it was actually fun seeing everyone do it. But I, I'm not, I'm not into it because you, just a lot of reasons. It doesn't do anything for me. I'm with you. And I work in the media. Yeah. Just, I've been down on the floor before. It doesn't, it doesn't excite me. But at that moment, that's probably the best college basketball game I've ever been to live, and it was so much fun. And like that moment, that's a great. Uh, situation for a court storming, but not yeah. when you win a game by ten or fifteen points. It's ridiculous. And in this case, uh, Duke is the nine-point favorite at Cameron against Florida State coming back on Thursday night. Uh, I will not be taking your Seminoles as part of Three Dog Thursday. I will be looking at a couple of Thursday games, and you and I are each going to do a Saturday game real quick before we get out of here uh, for the weekend. I will stay in the state of Florida. Uh, a lot of people think I'm in the state of confusion, Kevin Rogers of VegasInsider.com, but I'm actually in the state of Florida like you are. Uh, on Saturday, this past Saturday, I was at the Sun Dome in Tampa, the home of the University of South Florida and their basketball uh, programs. USF has really struggled under second-year coach Orlando Antigua. Antigua was the former John Calipari assistant um, at, at Memphis and at Kentucky. But they have come alive as of late, and I watched them beat my alma mater, Memphis, outplaying the Tigers, who had hopes up until about 10 days ago of still being an NCAA tournament team. But Memphis has begun to fall apart, in part because USF took care of them Saturday, uh, really outplayed Memphis the last 10 minutes. Uh, USF's got a couple of big guys. One of them, uh, Ruben Guerrero, is a player from Spain who blocked seven shots in the Memphis game on Saturday. They have a couple of uh, guys, a slasher that can score. They've got a couple of uh, outside shooters. And they have played better as of late. And now UConn comes to the Sun Dome for an American Conference showdown on Thursday night. UConn laying 14 points. I think USF playing a little better ball. UConn's going to win this game, but I, th- I think 14's too many points. I think this could be a close basketball game here on, on Thursday. Do you care to try to talk me out of USF plus the 14 against the Huskies of UConn? No, I mean, USF, they, they definitely you know showed some signs of life in, uh, in American play. I mean, for the exception of a home loss to Tulane they had um, a little while ago, They've really been competitive at home. And, you know, you mentioned that went over Memphis uh, a few days ago. We know Memphis has, has obviously gone backwards. Uh, but for UConn, 
I don't, I never really taken teams that have pressure on them. I feel like UConn's got some pressure on them to pick up some wins here in the end to improve their NCAA tournament resume. So for them to come down to Tampa and to play this Bulls team that, that's got probably a little bit of confidence and like a nothing to lose attitude in a sense, that it's never a bad thing to take a team like that that's playing. They're not playing for nothing, but for a team that is young and that's got a lot to play for as far as the future. That I'd say that's not a bad play. Thank you. The other game, uh, a free plug here on, on TuneIn and the College Sports Now channel. I will be broadcasting the Sun Belt Conference Tournament uh, semifinals and championship game on Championship Weekend on National Digital Radio for TuneIn and for that channel. And so I'm going to go to a Sun Belt Conference game. I, have we? Ta- have we? I don't think we've had a Sun Belt game this year so far. Talking college basketball on Three Dog Thursday. Am I correct? I don't think we have, no. Yeah, we have not. And I'm going to break the ribbon on that, and I'm going to go with Arkansas, Little Rock, and Texas Arlington. Not exactly household names, but Arkansas, Little Rock is the team leading the regular season of the Sun Belt. They already have 20 wins. Kevin, they're a great story. They were they were a 20-loss team a year ago and have had a great one-year turnaround to now lead this league. Texas Arlington, uh, meantime, uh, has played very well. They shocked Memphis, speaking of Memphis, in the pre-conference season in a road win in the River City earlier this year. And Texas Arlington comes into this game as a 7.5-point underdog, but they are the second or third best team in the Sun Belt. And uh, they're they're trying to jockey for position to either be second or third uh, and stay away from Arkansas Little Rock in the tournament till the championship game. Something says to me, Roadrunners of Texas Arlington, they've got a couple of quality uh, scores from the outside at Little Rock, will keep it close enough, if not win this game. Little Rock's a 7.5-point favorite. I will go UTA, Texas Arlington, uh, in this matchup uh, against uh, against Little Rock here. So that will be my uh, second Underdog on Three Dog Thursday on this Thursday evening to go uh, with them along with the USF Bulls. Let's get to Saturday. Again, if you're listening after Thursday, you already know how smart we were or we weren't on the Thursday games. But for the Saturday games, uh, we're each going to pick an underdog. Which way, Kevin, are you going to go for a Saturday underdog? I'm going to go to the ACC in North Carolina State. They're trialing Syracuse to take on the Orange and, you know, Syracuse, after Jim Beheim came back from his suspension, they played very well to get back into the NCAA tournament discussion, but they've gone backwards of late, losing uh, at Louisville and also falling at home to Pittsburgh. And now they get an NC State team who's not going to the tournament, but they have one of the most electric scorers in the country, and Cat Barber, who has played uh, very well for the Wolfpack. Wolfpack 4-1 against the spread in their last five as a road underdog. They're coming off. A blowout loss at home to rival North Carolina, so uh, now they kind of reset the cards after that loss. But, you know, NC State has, has obviously been a bit of a disappointment inside ACC play. But, uh, you know, on the road, they've been somewhat competitive. I think they have one blowout loss on the road, but they hung with Duke. They hung with Carolina the first time in Chapel Hill. And uh, I think that this is a team that can definitely – uh, pull off the victory over Syracuse on Saturday. All right, so that one at the Carrier Dome, and NC State uh, had that loss against Carolina earlier in the week in the in the rivalry game. They do have a win over Duke earlier in the year, and it will be interesting just real quick on how Syracuse is judged by the selection committee because you mentioned uh, without Jim Beheim as the coach during that nine game suspension, they were four and five. 
And how, will they be viewed differently now that they, I, I believe they won nine of the first 11 after he came back? Will they be view, viewed differently with him as the coach? What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, will, will Syracuse, I mean, we don't know for sure, but will the selection committee weigh that heavily that Syracuse suffered five losses while Bayheim was gone? I think it should. Uh, and, and I think the thing is, is that it's kind of like a, I don't even know what the right word would be, but, you know, the NCAA suspended or, you know, Bayheim fell under suspension for breaking NCAA rules. And now the tournament committee <laughs> is going to try to reward Syracuse because they didn't fare well without their head coach. And, and it is a big deal. And I, I remember Jim Bayheim actually had an interview with Andy Katz on ESPN when he was suspended. And, you know, he was saying he made some kind of comment about, uh, you know, this isn't the same team or it's not, they're not going to play the same way without me. You know, he said something like that, which is really true. I mean, when you think about it, that, you know, it's not like he's got some assistant that, you know, has been the right-hand man forever. And it's like, oh, we're fine. We're okay. It wasn't okay. It just wasn't the same thing. So it, it definitely should be taken into account just like, if uh, a major player was out for nine or ten games and a team won like three times in that span, it, it should account for something that uh, a guy like that is uh, is sidelined and they obviously struggle without him. All right, so that's your matchup. You're taking uh, NC State at Syracuse as the underdog. I'm going to go for a Saturday game in the Big 12. Arguably, the Big 12, the toughest conference. Maybe Big 12 or ACC, the two toughest conferences right now as we head towards March and college basketball. So here for Three Dog Thursday purposes, Kevin Rogers, I am going to go with the TCU Horn Frogs. Okay, I didn't hear you snicker. I didn't hear you laugh. The Froggies right now are bringing up the rear in the Big 12, but they played well midweek with Texas Tech at home, who's making a run at the NCAA tournament at large. Baylor comes in maybe with an eye on a Tuesday night game in Norman against Oklahoma. Chauncey Collins is a good guard that can shoot the ball and, and played well. Uh, the other night, uh, Collins, uh, shot it pretty well in the game with Texas Tech. Some, this could be a trap game also for the Baylor Bears here. I don't know that TCU beats them, but it's a significant line for Saturday. I like the Froggies in Fort Worth to at least keep it close against the Baylor Bears on Saturday in the Big 12. What do you think? Just real quick, uh, because Baylor has, has some impressive wins, including a blowout win at Texas back about a week ago. Uh, am I crazy to go Horn Frogs in this spot? Well, also, you forgot to mention, too, that Baylor's coming off a tough home loss to Kansas. Right, uh, right. So, you know, you play Kansas. Actually, if you want to rewind it, you play Texas, then Kansas, and then TCU, and then Oklahoma. So you figure, like, which one doesn't match here, that all those other teams are going to the tournament, and then you have to make a trip to TCU, which isn't very far. But at the same time, you know that TCU is at the bottom of the Big 12, and, you know, you got to get motivated for that game. And, you know, sometimes, you know, after you're getting jacked up for Kansas, you're getting jacked up for Oklahoma, you know, TCU, it's kind of like let's just sleepwalk through this game because we know we're better than them. So it's a tough spot definitely for Baylor. And, you know, you just had to wonder, you know, for TCU if they can uh, keep up what they had against Texas Tech. They played very well against Texas Tech for a while before the Red Raiders came back. Now TCU covered that game. But at least they played well. And, you know, again, we go back to like the USF conversation. You got to hope what these teams are at the bottom of their conference. That can they just 
can they keep this up and stay competitive through the final couple games of the season since they know their season's coming to an end? Can they keep it up? That's the biggest question with them. That will be the situation. Okay, so there are our predictions. And, Kevin, it is about to be the month of March, what I believe is the greatest month of, of the year in sports for what happens with these four weekends, including the Final Four, eventually in April. Uh, and, and you guys are all over it for college hoops and everything else with VegasInsider.com. Real, real quick, tell me more about what they can find with you guys at Vegas Insider. Absolutely. We have conference tournaments uh, galore that uh, week before the NCAA tournament, which is coming up in about uh, a week and a half or so. So we have plenty of coverage every day on all these matchups. So many games to go on right before we hit the NCAA tournament selection Sunday on March the 13th. So there's a lot of information that we have to process. We're going to put it out for everyone to give you the best information to win your either if it's to win your your pool or if you're just betting on the games and you can check that out obviously we still have nba going on and nhl going on all of that going on vegasinsider.com or you can find us on twitter at twitvi also follow kevin rogers at vi rogers on twitter we always uh, love the underdog predictions good luck with those we appreciate it sir and we'll talk to you next week all right sounds good cj thank you and there he goes, Kevin Rogers of VegasInsider.com. And again, Kevin, with Arizona State and Stanford on Thursday night in the Pac-12. I will go with USF Bulls in the American Conference at home with UConn and also the Texas Arlington Mavericks. I may have said Roadrunners earlier in the show. That's Texas San Antonio. Texas Arlington, the Mavericks on the road to the Sun Belt Thursday. Kevin's got NC State as an underdog on Saturday against Syracuse. And again, for my Saturday underdog, I like those TCU Horn Frogs in the spot with the Baylor Bears. So there you go. There's our underdog selections. Reminder to follow this show at 3 Dog Thursday on Twitter. Also, the website is 3 com. For Kevin Rogers, I'm TJ Reeves. Good luck with all those underdog selections on this edition of 3 Dog Thursday. Bye.